Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon, and it looks like we've made it, everybody. It is Masters Week, one of the best weeks of the year on the golf calendar. It surely feels like it. I uh, don't know many sporting events when you sit three, four, five days out and people are sending photos of when they went and stories of the time they went in 05 and 07 and 86 and 1994. Uh, I had a thread a week and a half ago on Twitter about their best stories of times people visited Augusta National for the first time. And I had hundreds of responses of people just pouring in story after story. If you're going out this week, my goodness, enjoy it. Soak up every moment, have every sandwich, enjoy the drinks, sit down, just breathe it in. Because, you know, if you're lucky, you go a couple times. If you're really lucky, you might go more than that. And uh, and if you can go once, that's all you really need. And I am... I'm pumped to be out there. I head that way on Monday, so by the time you're listening to this, I will be gone. Uh, we have Scott Van Pelt on the podcast. This has become a little bit of our own tradition, unlike any other. We have SVP right before the Masters. Of course, he's a big part of the ESPN coverage early in the week at Augusta National for the Par 3 and Thursday and Friday. He does an unbelievable job. You know, Scott Van Pelt is a guy that started in golf. I mean, he talks about it a little bit in our conversation, but you know, he was at Golf Channel before Golf Channel was what it is now. And he was talking golf and golf only. And now he has, you know, he has carved out what I think is one of the more important positions in all of journalism, what he does at night on Sports Center and his ability to weave in stories that we need to see and stories that we should see and stories we didn't know we needed to see. I think SVP does just an unbelievable job. One of the better guys you will ever meet in all of journalism. And a, and a guy I'm lucky to call a buddy now. And uh, we chatted about the current landscape of the PGA Tour and favorites and players to win. We got some of your questions that you sent in. They were great. He loved them. And uh, he even gave a pick at the end of the podcast. I'm going to give my pick on Wednesday on Twitter, as I do always. Uh, not like I don't think you really care who I pick. But uh, I'm going to crunch some numbers and see exactly who I think is, uh, is the betting favorite. I'm going to give you a little hint, though. I think it's going to be an international player. That's at least who I'm leaning towards now. We will see on Wednesday. Of course, this Clubhouse podcast and all of the Clubhouse podcasts you listen to are brought to you by Titleist and the Vokey Design SM7 Wedges. They're designed by Master Craftsman and another one of the great, great men in golf, Bob Vokey, to improve your wedge play. SM7 Innovations provide the best performance and distance control shot versatility, and maximum spin. That's a good thing. The best way to experience SM7 wedges is to hit each grind side-by-side during a wedge fitting. You can find the nearest fitting location on Vokey.com. That's V-O-K-E-Y.com. Or you can use the online wedge selector tool to find the right loft, bounce, and grind for your wedges. I am now a converted four-wedge guy. I've got four Vokeys in the bag, four SM7s. Uh, I took the pitching wedge out of the original set, and I have gone full Vokies, and I love it. I was a little nervous early on that maybe the Vokey wedge wouldn't go as far as the wedge that you get with your traditional set of irons. That's not the case. And I'll tell you, I feel like it's forced me to hit softer wedge shots, if that makes sense, not always to go full bore with three wedges. I mean, you can play with three wedges, of course, but personally, I went to four wedges. I love them. The Vokies are great. He's a great guy. Make sure you check all the grinds out. Just like I said, go to Vokey.com or go to a wedge fitting. It is absolutely worth it. I feel like wedges are the clubs we don't change enough. 
We should change more. A friend of mine, one of my best friends, texted me over the weekend, said he's had his wedges for three years, and he plays a lot of golf. I was like, dude, go get some Vokies. You'll be a lot happier. Those shots you hit in the green will check a little bit quicker, plus around the greens you can hit little different shots that maybe you can't with wedges that have been beat to death after three years of golf. So check Vokey.com out and all the great stuff at Titleist. As you can hear, I'm excited. I will be out at Augusta National. I'll be walking around the grounds. I'll be out and about during the evening time. If you see me, I promise you this. I will have a couple of clubhouse koozies in my back pocket. If you see me come up, introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you, first of all. And if you want a koozie to walk around at the club with or just to have in your golf bag, ask me for it. And if I don't have one on me, you know what I'll do? I will take your address down, and I will send you one when I am back home. That's a guarantee. That's a clubhouse podcast guarantee. How much better can it get? All right, Masters Week. Our tradition here on the podcast is Scott Van Pelt, and he is coming up right now. And we welcome back into the clubhouse uh, something we try to do every year around Masters time. Scott Van Pelt joins us, of course, will be a big part of the coverage early in the week for ESPN. And uh, Scott, I know it's one of your favorite weeks of the year. Uh, We're recording this the weekend before, so... If Jordan Spieth goes out and does something silly in San Antonio, we won't know it. But, uh, you know, I mean, as you prep and get closer to, as you call it, your favorite week of the year, you have in the show you have to do weeknights, and you've got to cover NFL playoffs and college football, and then you get into the basketball season, March Madness, all this stuff. When does your focus start turning towards golf, or do you always kind of keep a side eye on the PGA Tour knowing what's going on? It's it's always there just because it's always been my – professional sort of job to keep an eye on it you know I mean obviously starting with the golf channel that was all I did and and because of the relationships with people whether it's the players or the caddies or the club folks I mean you know you know the game you're part of it you have you have people that you're always pulling for might be a caddy right might it might be um might be a player whatever but the stories are always interesting because these are people that you know so it's always something I keep tabs on even if it's not something that is a, a an A block story uh, on my show nightly, um, I'm always watching. Always, you know, always have the golf channel on at home during the afternoon when I'm getting ready to go in uh, any week. And then there's certain weeks, like the players, obviously, like that's one. That's a great event to, to keep tabs on for a million reasons. And that was one that I probably watched more of start to finish than any. Um, but you know, it's it's always there on my radar. When you get to Augusta, you'll get there, you know, next early next week and you'll get preparing for the week as you do every single year. You know, we've heard Jim Nance will walk down Tame and Corner right when he gets there as he kind of starts to get prepped and starts to get the feeling. Do you have traditions you do? Are there things that you make yourself do every year when you get to Augusta National for the first time just to remind yourself, holy crap, I'm doing this and this is part of my job? Yep. Yep. I, and I do, I, I think we, we might have talked about this. If we haven't, I, I've, I've shared this with people who've asked me about things I do or, or you know, habits, traditions, whatever you want to call it. There's, there's a tee on the par three course that is the eighth tee. And um, if you walk from the television compound over to the course through the back um, uh, up past nine on the par three uh, course, the, the eighth tee is right there. And I go over and I stand and I just stand and I just look around and it's, you want to call it prayer, you want to call it meditation, you want to just call it a moment of silent thought, it's that. And I do it at some point 
every single day. It's not like a reintroduction on Sunday or, mo- or on Monday, rather, and that's it. It's an everyday thing uh, because it's it's this place in the world where I'm thankful to be, and it's a it's a it's a really good spot to to, to take a moment to just because it's quiet and it's beautiful and um, it's at one of my favorite places. So I, I do that every year. Uh, and then I walk over to the course behind the, you know, behind the clubhouse there on the oak tree and say hello to, you know, the people I see in many cases, Shane, just that, just under that tree, just this week, right. All of whom are looking over my shoulder to see if somebody more important is walking by so they can say hello to And, and that's fine. Cause they're all, most of the people are, and I'm probably guilty of doing the same thing. Um, it's an incredible people watching place. It's an incredible, um, you know, just, just a landmark to tell people, Hey, I'll meet you at the Oak tree. And, um, you know, if, even if you're late, there's a good chance that the person you're supposed to meet is still there visiting with somebody or catching up. So that's all of those things are part of pretty much the daily ritual of being there. Yeah. You, you bring up a great point. I'll meet you at the Oak tree and you're going to hear media people talk about it all week long. And, and they'll talk about this being really kind of the Mecca of the golf world. There's agents and players and celebrities and basically every walk of life that it isn't around the game of golf will be under there at some point and one of the unique things about the masters and i know people know this and so maybe some don't is the fact that you can't have your cell phone i mean i think you may be able to because you know if you have a somebody text you and go we need you back in studio in four minutes then that's probably an important thing to be told but when you say i'll be there at three o'clock you got to be there at three o'clock and, and i got to bring my sister out to the masters a couple of years ago, and uh, she drove down from Charleston, and the the timing and the meeting it remind it brings you back. I mean, it takes you back to a time where you couldn't just text and say I'm stuck in traffic when you weren't stuck in traffic. And it's uh it's it's one of the unique parts of the Masters that I feel like people don't discuss a lot. No, and it it does remind it does reacquaint us with the idea that three o'clock meant three o'clock and <laughs> how we ever did anything without the uh, ability to have the cell phone in our in our back pocket is is you know try to explain that to i started to say your kids i i try to remember it myself and it's hard to, it's right. hard to remember exactly. but it, it is it is and it, but honestly it's so much of life is missed because our noses are in screens and we're absent-mindedly thumbing from one screen to another as we walk and we bump into people or you look over and you see someone next to you driving doing that and you just want to just honk your horn and go what in the hell are you doing <laughs> and it's nice that when you're there your eyes are up and you're taking inventory of the place because if there's a place not to be missed it's that so it's 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 good that people are um they're saved from themselves uh as they're not kind of tethered to the technology for that week yeah this is an off masters topic to ask you but you're you're connected in the world because you have to be i mean you have to be on social media paying attention to sports because you're prepping for the night show you have to be around this all the time i get that same anxiety a lot because i feel like there's times where i just don't want to be around the phone do you have protocol you follow daily weekly where you go, I'm not going to use the phone on said day, said moment, and you just take a moment to get away from it. No, I don't have that. I don't have that kind of discipline. Um, I wish I did. And I, I was and I waiting for something really me. amazing, Bob, from you. And then there you go. Well, I mean, I'm just, I, I just don't. I, mean, I understand. We're, I, I'm guilty of it, and even as I, I recognize these behaviors in other people that I find detestable, and then I realize <laughs> hey, I'm looking in the mirror. But I mean. 
I, there's a fascinating story. I want to see it was in the New York Times. It was about like breaking up with your cell phone. It was this whole deal, all these layered explanations of things to do. And if you recognize these behaviors, it's sort of indicative of, of, of a, a, a toxic relationship with it. And I'm thinking every one of them was me. Um, so long answer to a short question. No, I, but, but when I'm there, I mean, when I'm there, I, I, I need to be where I need to be. And I make sure I'm there when I need to be there. And, you know, short of that, I'm pretty busy. So it's, it's not like I'm, um, I'm sort of flipping through, Twitter or whatever else. I mean, I, what Matt, as long as I know my kids and my wife are good at home and I check in with them, you know, other than that, I basically just need to know who's leading and what time's our first hit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it's, and that's, and that's where you are at that time. That's the time when you're not looking at the phone, when you got to be on cam. Uh, last year, I was Correct. listening to our podcast last year. And of course it was a completely different approach to the masters. We had this, uh, we had this defined character that was undefined in Tiger Woods. I mean, he was a guy coming in, that had played some golf and we'd seen some good stuff from him. We didn't exactly know what to, to expect at a major championship at Augusta national. That's completely different this year. He's coming in playing good. I wouldn't say he's playing great. I wouldn't say he's playing bad. He's been solid. I've been looking at back over the career of tiger at Augusta and he, you know, it's crazy to think the last win was in 2005. Does this golf course still fit Tiger Woods? Do you feel like in, in its iteration today, it's seventy five hundred yards and forcing guys to continue to beat driver around this golf course? Um, maybe, and, and the reason I don't have a yes or no is because I don't know. And it, it's to say no would feels dumb to me because he's still figured it out four times, right? And and was it the same then? Obviously not. But the things that, that – the, 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 the question that you ask really would apply to any golf course that, that he's on, and that's can he drive it well enough to, com- to compete. Because it's a second-shot golf course, which means your first shot needs to be somewhere where you have a reasonable second shot. So, you know, you look at someone who – and I'm sure we'll get to the topic of Rory. You look at a guy like that who pulls the, pulls the driver out and has absolute confidence in it for good reason – and he's going to hammer it all day long. And with Tiger, you know, like if there's a prop bet to hit the fairway in the first, I'm betting everything I have that he doesn't, <laughs> right? Because he just For never sure. does. He never no. did what he won. He never did what he won. Right. But, 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 but to say, Shane, like that it doesn't, that it doesn't fit him because it's been so long, I think would be, it just feels ridiculous because of who we're talking about. But it also if it were anyone else 14 years after the fact, it would feel ridiculous that we would say it's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like I, 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 last year to me, and you're right, you know, a year ago, we didn't know this. I, even though I had been told by those that had played, you know, rounds of them, look, he's, he can do it. He's going to win. And it was like, wow, really? And then as it turned out, you know, he, he did. And he had a lead on the back nine of the, of the open. Um, and he, was right there in, in St. Louis at Bell Reeve. I mean, you're talking about back-to-back majors where he was in the mix and very solidly in the mix. So that was more than I would have believed. And to think that he couldn't be very solidly in the mix at Augusta, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that. It's just been a long time since he's won there. And so it's hard to remind yourself of what it feels like when he's in the lead there or in contention there. Because Bell Reeve, Carnoustie, cool. Augusta, 
totally different thing. Absolutely. And and it brings up, you know, to me, the, the Ernie Els quotes this year about the Masters and how uh, he kind of just poured everything out about the golf course. And this is a guy that nearly won multiple Masters. Uh, I do wonder if this golf course – I wonder if more than any golf course in the world, it's right out in front of you. There's not out of bounds really anywhere on the property. There's water. You see it. There's not a lot of tricks. I wonder if the longer you go here – to these types of players, Tiger, of course, being in a different category, but an Ernie Els who thinks, how can I not dominate this place? How do I not win? I wonder if a little bit of that bleeds into Tiger when he thinks back. I was looking, in 2005, I was a junior in college. I mean, that's a long time ago, Scott. You know, like, that's crazy to think of how long ago it was when he won at the Masters. Yet, when we get here every year, you think, well, he knows this golf course. He knows every bump on, on the grounds. He does, but see, that's the thing about this that I love. The reason, I, one of the many reasons, let me, let me start that again, that I love this event is because there are so many people who show up with, it's like Augusta National is the most beautiful woman in the world because everyone is in love with her. Everyone's in love, and everyone thinks they know her best, right? Phil Mickelson feels the exact same way. Absolutely. The exact same way. He has the same level of love, the same passion, the same understanding, the same knowledge, and with good reason. He's figured it out, too, on, on, on three different occasions. Tiger's done it one more. But, you know, you think Justin Rose doesn't feel the same way? <laughs> you know, you think Rory McIlroy doesn't feel the same way? You think, I mean, I could keep going. There are so many players. Who Rory's got five straight top tens. You know, Justin Rose only finishes in the top ten, or so it feels. Last year he was just on the outside, but he's been runner-up twice. So the list of players who show up believing that they know how to, that they know it, that they love it, and that some part of them isn't owed it, but it's almost like their cosmic fate to do it. And Ernie's the perfect example. He's on the list with Greg Norman and Tom Weiskopf, and we could keep going. David Duvall of players who, when they were in their prime, we were absolutely certain would win the Masters, and they never did. So it's, it, that's what's amazing to me is that how, how long the list is of people who, if they did, you'd think it's entirely appropriate, and yet if they don't, when their chance is there, maybe a guy like Danny Willett, who only gets one chance, grabs it, or Charles Schwartzel, who gets one chance, grabs it. That's what makes the Masters, to me, um, that that element is is just so intoxicating is that every great player thinks he can most of them have a reason to 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 validate that feeling and yet it doesn't always happen and why well i don't know man sometimes maybe a guy makes a putt or maybe you miss one or you fan one or whatever it's it's and yet you come back next year every bit is in love you know you don't ever feel scorned like ernie's just his heart was broken there broken but he never fell out of love. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I was rewatching. This is a, a dorky admission. I'm just going to let you know this. I was rewatching 2016 a couple of nights ago. And, you know, we all remember the speed shot at 12. I'd completely mm-hmm. forgot that Danny Willett hit a tee shot on 12 that could have easily taken a bounce right and gone in the water. I mean, I, I, I vaguely remember the birdies that Danny Willett made that round. I know he hit a great shot on 16. I know he, he had that great crazy birdie at one, but that shot was a foot, was six inches from kicking straight right and going in the water. Famously, Fred Couples did the same thing. It it does seem like the golf course picks and chooses its champion year to year, and it says this is yours to have 
or this isn't. And uh, and that's a great analogy you had with it's it's this it's this Adonis where you think how how can I not win this if I'm at the top of my game? And I feel there are more guys flying under the radar this year than ever before because of what Rory's done, because of obviously Tiger rolling. Phil's already got a winner under his belt this year. I mean, when you look at the list of Justin Thomas and John Rahm and even DJ and Justin Rose, who you already mentioned, you know, these guys all have to show up believing this is going to be the year I win the Masters. And I don't really feel like there's been much buzz about those guys because there's been other storylines, and I think it's basically been Rory and everyone else because of the way Rory's played all season long. Yep, and 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 you you were just guilty of something that we will probably be guilty of on Wednesday when Andy and I and our Dude, I forget billions. No, no, just hear me out. When we do our preview show, will we mention Brooks Koepka and Francesca Molinari? Go. All yep. they've done is won the last three. <laughs> all they've done is win the last three majors, and Molinari's won in the last month. You know that that's happened. Uh, will we mention Paul Casey's name? He won again at Valspar, and he's only got five top tens here and, and tried to shoot 60 nothing last year. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Shane, that's what I'm saying. That, that, that this place, with you mentioned names that we'll certainly mention, and then there are all of these other guys, and for one reason or another, whether it's at Augusta or this year, uh, everyone's going to show up with the same level. Like, you know how it goes, and, and when you guys cover the U.S. Open, you show up at a, at a certain course, Maybe you show up at Shinnecock last year, and there's certain guys you go, man. It's so it just player A doesn't drive it well enough. This guy doesn't can't not clever enough around the greens. You discount a certain percentage. In some cases, a, a pretty significant percentage. At Augusta, you're not really discounting anybody um, because everyone shows up with with uh, enough enthusiasm and hope that and maybe a little bit of form here, or maybe a little bit of form this year, or maybe both that the list at the top is so friggin' crowded. It's like, it's like the line, it, it, it's like you go to that exclusive club and like, there's the regular line and then there's the VIP line, but then there's a zillion people that are superstars at the <laughs> VIP line. Like, not everybody gets to get in, man. Hold on. Like, you're going to have to wait and then everyone's pissed off. But sorry. Like, you know, we got to make room for DJ. Rory and his crew, how many you got? Three. You got three. Well, your your one friend's got on sneakers, so he can't come in. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, <laughs> it gets crowded over there at, the, at that entrance at Augusta because everybody's in line uh, and everybody's got a reason to think that they're supposed to get in. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's like Zone Three on American Airlines. Uh, just everybody stands up. Nobody's Zone Three. Nobody has ever been Zone Three ever, but they all stand up trying to get in. <laughs> I will say the one thing we can bank on is I think Charlie Hoffman will probably open with 65. I can't remember the last time he hasn't gone out and shot like six under on Thursday. I feel like it happens every single year. I've only been in the Butler cabin twice, so this will be my third year there. Both years, Charlie was in on the on the, uh, <laughs> on the first or second day because he went. Well, I believe no, I think two years in a row it was Charlie was in there on the first round, which you know, and that's the other thing, as we know. Even though it's the smallest field, what like eighty six, I think it is right now, or something like that. Which I wish it were bigger. Uh, I wish there were like a hundred. You know, you could you go a little deeper in the world golf rankings and not worry about who's being, you know, allowed in. Yeah, certainly. But it's still it's it's, it's intimate. It's small. A name that probably isn't said on the golf channel's air or on our our air um, leading up to the event has a great chance of being someone that goes out and shoots sixty seven and and has the first round lead. Wanted to take a quick break from Scott to let you know that hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 
of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands, thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And ZipRecruiter is so effective that, get this, four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Four out of five, one day. I wish my golf odds were that good. I wish I hit that many greens. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash clubhouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash clubhouse. C-L-U-B-H-O-U-S-E. You can spell clubhouse. I have confidence in you. ZipRecruiter.com slash clubhouse. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, let's get back to SVP. So we talked a little about Rory. Uh-huh. And and I and I and I feel like this year his approach and and it's not just been us guessing this he has done this his approach has been different he changes schedule it up you know he's talked a lot about the the way he thinks about golf now compared to how he used to think I thought you did a great job interviewing him after the players when he jumped on on your show and I, I just I love the conversation and I just love listening to Rory McIlroy talk about golf and talk about life he's one of the most introspective players we've ever had in the game at just twenty nine years mm-hmm. old. And I and this is one of those those lines that it, it it's going to be said a lot. I feel like Masters Week, and we're going to say it. Is this his best chance? And I say that because how can you come in in better form? And is that a good thing or a bad thing for Rory McIlroy, considering how much pressure he already puts on himself at the Masters? Well, I, yes, to it certainly feels like it's as good a, a, a chance as he's likely to have. Um, and I enjoyed the conversation we had with him. And then the, the night, uh, that night I went home after doing SportsCenter and Live From was on, which I'd like to say here what I always tell my friends there. I, I love that show. I think Rich and Brandel and David and Frank do such a good job. They've got such a great dynamic and different personalities. And, and, and they had Rory on, and they must have had him for 20 minutes. And Rory is just doing what Rory does. He's telling you. I don't want to say bearing his soul because that makes it sound so much more serious than it is. He's just talking like a human being about about golf and where it, what it represents in his world and what it doesn't, and the comfort that he has with who he is, and the fact that honestly, yes, it was important for him to play that Sunday the way he did on that course against that field. So every year he'll arrive having to answer questions about this for the slam, which is a real heavy weight because as we've already established, everybody else is just as geeked up to be there as you are. But he comes in as confident as he can be with his driver, which puts him in great position theoretically off the tee to attack it this second-shot course. His life is good. He's sorted. He's in order. Um, and having said all those things, it doesn't mean, he can, it doesn't mean that, 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 that this is, is his year. I think it just means that all of the other possible obstacles or reasons to discount him are null and void. It'll be just a matter of does he play well enough? Does he make the, the right putt at the right time? Does he, does he, you know what I'm saying? Does he take on a shot? Is it a green light and he, and he takes it and he makes it work? Um, and if he does all those things, could he win? And, and, and could, he get, could he have one of those weeks where it gets spooky and he goes low and goes crazy like congressional? Sure. Because when, when he gets it going, you know, him and DJ are the two guys that I feel like can run away from people more than anyone else. Um, so, yes, to the question, is it his best chance? Yes, is his life in order? Yes, yes, yes. Does it mean Sunday he's in there with, you know, Jim and the chairman? 
Not necessarily, man. <laughs> it, 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 there's there's just so many, as we know, there's just so many variables that have to that have to be you know sorted. Um, but he's 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 clearly 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 in a great place, and um, just wa- watching him dissect the golf course um, uh, at the players was um, was fun when he wobbled, but then when he got his feet back beneath him because that Sunday was obviously going to be difficult. But he, um, when he had to have it, he had it. And um, I think it's crazy to think about, but, like, you look at a guy like Spieth, like, when you lose that, when you lose that edge and you lose that confidence, I mean, that's real. And, and he, I don't know that he lost his confidence, but I think it, he needed to be reminded of what it felt like to, to finish it off on Sunday, and he did. Well, I asked people on Twitter to send their best SVP questions, and I got some good ones. Twitter, you know, it comes through at times. You know that. Um, Dylan, yeah, some guy was asking about waffles. I don't want to eat waffles. I don't like waffles. <laughs> I like, I like, I mean, no, no, about pancakes rather. I'm, I'm team waffles. This guy wanted me to eat pancakes in Wisconsin. I don't want your pancakes. Okay. I like waffles. Some... I don't care what state you're in. I don't care who cook. I don't care if you're your grandma's recipe. <laughs> Tell your grandma to make me a waffle and I'll eat it. Somebody asked me why you won't go hang out with them at their golf course. I'm like, well, I mean, you're a random human being, and uh, he's a busy guy. Yeah. So the answer is that's why. Yeah. That's why he's not going to be there. My, friend, my friends would like me to do that, and, so, and I'd like to go hang out with my friends. I don't have the time to do that. So I'm, I, I, I appreciate the invite, but I'm afraid that's not going to happen. So here's your first question. Uh, this, is, right, this, this segues right into it. Bruce Rogers said favorite course in Connecticut slash New England. <sighs> I, I, I don't get around a lot to, to play many. I, there's a course, my, my home course is, is called Wampanoag and it's a, it's a Donald Roth uh, course, which is funny. I was talking one time to Peter Costas and I think I, I think I called it an old Donald Roth and he stopped me. He goes, are there any new Donald Rosses? And I said, <laughs> you know, you know what? No, there aren't. So noted. It's just a Donald Roth, but it's, it's really playable. It's got really good greens. It's not the kind of course that's going to eat you alive. It isn't, it isn't overly long. Um, but this is the sad, sad truth. Last year, um, I have three young children, got married late, three young kids. We went to the pool a bunch. I hit a whole lot of golf balls in advance of my annual summer par three tournament. And I played zero holes of golf at the course where I paid my monthly dues. So I paid a lot of money <laughs> to hit range balls, uh, to get ready for a par three tournament. So this is a long answer to a short question. I just don't play enough to have any real great knowledge of, of the, of the local golf courses. My Wampanoag's a really fun place. I just wish I played it. It's expensive pool fees. That's what you're telling me. That's, uh, that's, what, really you're, that's what you're throwing out. They, I got good, they got good fries and the kids like it. I, I, uh, I've, I've got a, I've got my first kid on the way in a month and a half and, uh, and I'm already getting God the bless. feeling that the, uh, the golf clubs are, uh, are going to get hit the most. You know what? I'm okay with it. I'm 35. I've played a lot of golf. I'll play some later. Um, do you, yeah, hey, you here's, Here's a question for you. Why have you never done the Pebble Beach Pro-Am? You're famous enough. Uh, there have been, been like, test balloons floated by from some of the folks that were involved there, which has, I, I greatly appreciate. Um, and we haven't had – my schedule hasn't, hasn't worked yet. And then the one year I just – I hadn't played. And my, I was – I want you to imagine this. I want you, I want you to imagine – not playing golf for an extended period of time and then having to put it on display at Pebble, where let's say it isn't one of those beautiful days. Let's say it's one of those 45-degree Carmel days and you're on television and you're just, you might as well be butt-ass naked. 
um, cause you're so exposed. And the fear of that is, is, is something that has also kind of gotten in the way, but it's been talked about maybe someday it would happen. And if it did, I would grind my butt off to try to make sure I had something, something of a swing. It just hasn't happened yet. You need to show up like Andy in the office where you have both the gloves on with the lotion. You got hit 10,000 <laughs> balls yesterday. That's me. I'm, 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 I'm prepping yeah. late, but I'm going to be ready. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm yeah. excited for, I'm excited for the SVP day, uh, day. We'll, we'll have, we'll have to get like a live PJ tour live cam or something. Um, no, Andrew no, asked, no. I'd love to hear your greatest golf memory. And to understand how golf has influenced him off the course, both professionally and personally. That's a pretty deep question. If you want to give us your greatest golf memory, that'll work. Wow. I mean, I got to playing Augusta National with, um, with the late, great Jim Huber um, when I won the lottery is certainly very high on the list because this was, um, I want to say, 90, 90 99 maybe maybe i'm getting the years wrong it was around that time it was around the time of like a really heavy pleated khaki and a really not breathable uh cotton shirt oh, yeah. buttoned to the top 96 97 and i got was, you yeah it was there, it was in there and it was also pre-cell phone so it was like i had a kodak like instamatic <laughs> and i was a tourist man i took pictures of every moment that i was out there but i'll I'll say this, like, look, I'll joke around plenty about golf and I'll roll my eyes a little bit about when people talk a little too reverentially about it. I'll say this. You walk across that bridge on 12 and stand on that green and you know that everybody that's ever mattered in the game and lots of people outside the game have stood there and very few sort of mortals have. And I count myself among the mortals because I am. I just mean that, that that piece of land is is really something special. And when you stand there, and I had absolutely nuked an eight iron that landed up on the hill, and it somehow rolled down into the pine straw, so I was actually able to make a pretty miraculous three. No one cares about your score, but people are always, well, what'd you hit? Um, but just standing there and looking around, th- that whole day is, um, it- it's the kind of thing that, that it's seared on your brain. And, and I'll tell you one more thing from that, that round. It was Davis Love had just hit. Here's your context. Davis Love that week had hit the famous up and down shot that Tiger Woods did after Love. Davis Love did it first. Right. The first guy I ever saw do it. And so I hit a horrible tee shot on 16. I was over on the right. And the caddy went and stood on the top of the hill. And he said, your ball needs to stop here. And I gave him a look. And I said, what have I done today that would lead you to believe I'm <laughs> capable of stopping it there? And, you know, the you golf stand guy there. smiled at me for a second. Well, I, I hit that little pinch, and it takes two hops, and it stops dead where his feet were. And I just put my hands up and started walking because it trickles down, and it's, you know, a kick in for a three. Um, but that, that is my greatest memory is, is just that day of being allowed to, uh, to be around there and to, and to play there. And, then, like, how does it kind of impact your life or whatever? I mean, it's, it gave me my life, you know? I went to the golf channel as a guy that had never been on television as a production assistant. I got on TV because I met a, and then I met a guy named Tiger Woods and he and I had a a great professional relationship. So, I mean, how has a game influenced my life? It it gave me my life. My entire existence is because I got to be at a fledgling network that became what it's become and, and get to do what I did. So, and I don't say that lightly. Like I mean, every bit of that, the, the game gave me my life. It's pretty good. That was great. I love that. I I also love one of my favorite golf things from golf people, 
and it's everybody. We all have this. Is you can remember right. shots from the '90s. My mom used to make fun of my dad and I when we would drive home from a golf tournament. We would be talking about every shot from every day of the tournament, and she'd always go, "How do y'all remember that?" And it's just uh, they, they're seared. Well, they can't get out of there. Of course. I mean, there's more. I mean, I hit a five wood from the pine straw <laughs> on 15. I mean, like the good shots that I hit were they were they were spectacular. Mostly they were horrible. Um, but the good ones, like the one on 16, and uh, you no, know, I mean, that was a long time ago. But you know, Jim Huber was one of the kindest, gentlest, most talented souls in our business. Who unfortunately we lost, but uh, he was he was part of the group that day, and um, he was he didn't make fun of people much, but he made fun of me just because I couldn't stop taking pictures of what you know. I just I didn't want to forget it. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to let the day get away from me. And of course, you know. They're, they're they're in my mind like I can close my eyes as I'm talking to you right now and I can see you know the shots and the moments and it was it was you know as good as you think it would be it's it's better than that better in booth snack Dylan asks the biscuits at the open or he says pimento we know you're not a pimento person I'll just say any of the sandwiches at Augusta National chicken sandwiches at Augusta are pretty good but the the, 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 the digestive um which I, for those that aren't familiar, um, the best way to, des- to describe a digestive, what it is, is a cookie, kind of like a Biscoff cookie on an airplane. It's got that same consistency and that same sort of sweetness. And when you do like 14 consecutive hours of the Open Championship, you can wreck a sleeve of digestives, like by accident, you know? <laughs> you don't set out to eat that many, but then like you've watched the morning wave and the afternoon wave and you realize, oh, crap i've eaten an entire thing of digestives 14 down i'm ready for more uh that's I, I, it seems <laughs> like you're leaning right. to it seems like that's you that's what you're leaning towards possibly i uh we have to get you shipped some for the uh, for open viewing this year those yeah, digestives that's the answer that's okay. what you want all right uh dan said um you raved about his guy taco fall the, the tall dude from ucf he said who's a golfer that he thinks is as good of a story as the big man in the masters field this year now that is it's got to be an impossible answer well, so so for the the backstory on Taco Fall was he was a young man who he's seven six. I mean, well now people probably are familiar with the story because he was the guy that almost helped UCF beat Duke, and they were a roll away of, from from winning it. And he, and he's from uh, from Africa, and he's a brilliant kid who had like a four zero in high school, but his his acceptance into college was being held up because he had gone to so many different schools that were like kind of basketball factories. So they almost, they like red flagged his grades. He actually was majoring in engineering, speaks like five languages. He's a brilliant kid and a wonderful kid. And so I took up his cause because I'm like, hey, NCAA, it's just, you got the wrong dude, let him in school. Thankfully, this was four years ago. He got in and it almost ended with an incredible story of beating Duke. But I think still the the story of he and his team became well-known because of how close they came. So who's the same as that in the Masters field? He beats the hell out of me, man. Like, I'm, give me give me somebody off the radar that you could root for, or somebody who's overcome something. I, I guess. I mean, I I don't know that there are uh, I there there aren't enough. It's like the U.S. Opens where you could find those stories, exactly right? Or the right. Open Championships. So, some qualifier that the guy's like a blacksmith and he played with someone his granddad's mashy niblick or something <laughs> like that's where you're going to find a taco fall story. Those there aren't, there aren't as many of those to find in, in a very small and elite field at Augusta. Yeah. Half a barn rats uh, obsession with air force one isn't exactly going to land on <laughs> right. the list. I don't think, I don't think that's what it's going to be. Uh, what's the funniest Not thing uh, Paul said, what's the funniest thing you've seen or experienced at the masters? 
<laughs> um, this is so inside the beltway, but I'll tell you, um, when we, when we, we used to be over at the Augusta country club, um, taping our segments at night. Um, and this, God, this is funny. Cause it, it was so long ago from a technology standpoint that like now things are like, they're done on computers and that it's done and it's over. Like you don't have to tape and re like, it's just the, the process is so, so streamlined. It used to be much, a much more kind of laborious task and it would take forever. And we'd be over at the Augusta country club and Andy North and I would be, um, uh, waiting to do stuff and we'd get punchy because we'd been at it all day and there were these books on the set and the books are actual books and they were like i don't know what they are they're like 18th century literature and it's kind of pretentious sort of english prose about who knows what and for whatever reason one of the nights i took down the book and began reading in this very affected sort of pompous british accent which turned into like these nightly readings. And I would do them when I got the sense that the crew was at, we were all collectively done. Right. And I don't know that this would sound funny to you or to anyone who's listening, but trust me when I tell you a bunch of punch drunk TV people at the end of a 16 hour day listening to me. And I pick up the book and I, they'd start playing like symphony music. And I'd say, Good evening. You know, a reading from the book of such and such. And we would just read these nonsensical things. And North would get to the point where he was weeping. And Andy is such a gem of a human. Anything you can do that knocks him off, off his balance and gets him to the point where he's crying tears from laughing, like you just got to do it. So, again, that's a real inside the Beltway story. But that's what we would used to do over at the Augusta Country Club late, late, late at night um, when we were taping our segments and just hoping that they would make their slot on SportsCenter. I, I, listen, as, as a person that, that it gets to be about the, the 47th hour on Saturday at the U.S. Open and you're duct taping your eyeballs open, I totally appreciate it because it's there's always you're those little fumes, things that right? all, those, all those people are going. What I, so last year at the U.S. Open, we have the Curtis Cup uh, up until Sunday, five hours, no commercials, Monday off. And on Tuesday, we had a new event that we put out, and it was all the champions of the USGA events were brought out to play this little four-hole exhibition. And I was I was tired on Tuesday. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd done a couple of weeks back-to-back, and I'd just come off 15 hours straight with no commercials. I decided to have a Red Bull before the broadcast. And, I mean, I don't drink Here Red we go. Bull. I'm telling yeah. you, I was nervous for myself to just speak words. And I'm like, this is the first day of the U.S. Open. What am I thinking? So I'm pounding waters during break, just like thinking that's – it's almost like it's alcohol. You know, I'm like trying to bleed it through my system. That was an awful, awful idea. That will not be my move this week, this year during the U.S. Open at Pebble. No Red Bulls around me. Yikes. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and let you go. Uh, this one's pretty good. Two years ago, DJ falls down the stairs. Last year, Finau blows out his ankle. What should Ooh. be the best prop bet for a contender most likely to suffer a debilitating fluke injury during the Masters week? Man, I, I, can I just can I can I punt on the question and tell you I like I'm picking Fino. I like Fino to win. How about that? I was going to. I don't have. I, how about how about this prop bet? I don't know. I can't predict the future of some a random injury, but I will predict <laughs> Fino. Take a flyer on Fino. I'm serious. He a he's if he makes a hole in one on Wednesday he's not jumping I promise you he will not leave the he will not leave the ground 
but he's got the goods, and I think he played he played excellent last year Sunday and played his way into the top ten. That was his first time he'd ever been there, and on a basically broken foot, he shot in the 60s on Thursday. I love his game, and uh, your prop bet is Finau to win or play him like whatever it is to bet him for a top ten or for a top five. I think he can. Uh, I think he can make noise. That was going to be my question. You picked JT last year. I thought it was a great pick. I think I'm leaning towards Justin Thomas this year uh, because of how great his wedge play has been. But Finau is a great pick. You know, people are going to go, well, he hadn't won. That doesn't matter. He's played great. Yep. Finau's played great for the last year, year and a half on tour. Uh, and I also just want to say, if you can get into a couple people's ears, especially the big players, during the par three, let's just get the mm-hmm. guys to finish out this year. Let's, let's, let's break the curse. I want the curse to disappear. No more par three curse after 2019. I there are guys, there are some guys out there who aren't afraid to win it and will try to. Uh, I'm with you there. I like that. And the reason I picked Fino is just because I don't want to say the same name everyone else says. And and yes, the the the, the, the if people want to make the you know, dismiss it because he hasn't won, that that's fine. I mean, it's there's there've been a lengthy list of major winners who hadn't won prior to. I I just I have to believe that the name comes from inside a, a top, top what, 20? I mean, it, it just doesn't feel like, given how many players there are of the caliber we've got right now who have, who have all had recent or past his, recent history this year or past history at Augusta, I just can't fathom that it would be a name that, that come Monday morning everyone's going, huh. I didn't think we'd see that. I, I, so Fiendatomy is just enough off the main stage where I feel like maybe no one else will say it. Um, but it's, I just feel like Shane is going to be, I mean, they're my, you know, I've said it every time I've talked to you about this week. It's my favorite week. I, I just know come Sunday something great will happen, and uh, you know we get to be there and, and talk about it. What, what could be better than that? Just it's, don't drink any Red Bull. That's a, no, 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 no more, never again. I appreciate it, SVP. I uh I always enjoy having you on. People love it. Uh, it's going to be a great week. As you said, it seems to be trending toward a great Masters. I feel like all the last few major championships have been awesome. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if if Spieth gets in the hunt again, it'd be surprised. If Rory wins this, it'll be great. If we see anything with, from Tiger and Phil, the storyline's continuing to continue. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy it. And we will catch up with you soon. I look forward to it, man. And you keep doing your thing. I, I've, I've told you this, you know, on air, off air. Just you're so good at this, and I, I just enjoy how you do what you do. So never change. Just keep being you, and that's enough. So I, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I, I hope we do it again. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You got it. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. A big thanks again to Scott Van Pelt, who is just always a treat to have on the podcast. One of my favorite of the year. I love chatting with him. I love talking masters. And uh, he is, like I said, to start the show, one of the great guys in the business across all platforms. And I think there are plenty of people that would agree with me. A big thanks to ZipRecruiter. Make sure you check out that exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. And a big thanks to Titleist, of course, and the new Vokey Wedges. Do me a favor. Get some new wedges. If it's your birthday coming up, ask for new wedges. We got Father's Day coming up. Fast approaching. New wedges. Hey, I need a new lob wedge. I'm going to get a new Vokey. I'm going to go check out all the grinds. I'm going to improve my golf game. All of those things sound great. If you're out at Augusta, come say hi if you see me. If you're around the town, don't hesitate to say what's up. I might even buy you a drink if you're being massively nice. It's an exciting week for everybody. It's an exciting week in sports. All the focus turns to golf, and that is really, really 
what we want. And major championship season is upon us. We just had the first major of the season in the ANA on the female side. And now we get the first one on the male side. It's going to be a great week. I'm excited. We will check back with you Sunday night. We'll have a reaction podcast Sunday night with our good friend Joel Klatt. So make sure you look for that after all the action wraps up. Have a great week. Soak it in. Enjoy it. And we'll be back with you on Sunday.